0: Welcome. Raise your inner game today. I'm David Levin. This is our Friday episode, so we're talking all things inner game. Tuesdays are for sports and sports parenting. Fridays are for everyone. So, how are you today? (laughs) How are things with your inner game? Anything pulling at you, your attention, making things difficult today, stressed, pressure, anxious, tired, anything like that? Or are things pretty good? So, for me, not too bad. Feeling better overall, not as tired as I had been, not as cold outside, that helps. Getting back on the exercise, rhythms, major stress, deadlines have passed, so pretty good, which is a nice thing to realize that the stressful couple of weeks are past us now and we're getting back on track. That's nice. So we have some good things to talk about today. My ups and downs for the week, of course. Another great quote I love, though this one is, uh, a little dark. <laughs> we'll talk about a fight that broke out at a basketball game. It's a crazy story. An intergame lesson from Alice in Wonderland, which is kind of a fun new discovery. We'll continue with another important parenting question. Of course, our charging station challenge of the week. This one's an especially nice one, I think. And our recommendations for a couple of new stories. So I'll start with my ups and downs. What things were lifting me up this past week and what things were pulling me down and making life harder. In the Ups column this week, Trivia Night. (laughs) Oh my goodness, we don't get out much, Margaret and I. And of course, our tiny little town doesn't have that much to do a lot of the time. And all this is perfectly fine with me, generally. But I do also enjoy getting out now and then. And so, uh, as a birthday gift to me this year, our lovely local relatives, Joe and Jan, invited us to join them for Trivia Night at our local lounge and it was just super fun. I actually think I might enjoy it more than the rest of the group. (laughs) Margaret uh, doesn't actually love it. I'm not sure about Joe and Jana, but it just lights me up. And it's not because I'm any good at it, by the way, because I'm not. It's just, it's about the perfect kind of social gathering for me. Game nights have always been fun. I've always enjoyed them. Way back, Margaret and I used to play cards with her parents one day a week. They're both past now, this is like 30 years ago, and I could barely remember how to play the game from one week to the next. We played 500, and that was a complicated game for me, but it was so fun to be there with them in a different dynamic. They weren't my in-laws anymore. They were just some fun and funny people playing a game. I loved it, and the same thing was true for Trivia Night. We joined another group, a couple our age plus their daughter and son-in-law who are 20-somethings. Uh, We didn't do too bad, actually. But anyway, I keep saying it, but I loved it. It really lit me up, it's it's a wonderful thing for me. So that's my up. For my down, there were actually two things this week that reminded me that I really do have uh, a tendency, a trait that's pretty reliable and not great. Actually, they're slightly different from each other. One is, uh, when I'm stressed out, I sort of wig out. (laughs) Uh, I'm running the lights for our daughter's eighth grade play this week. I don't really know how to do lights, I'm an audio guy, so I'm trying to learn how the system works, and it's a very old system, by the way, like 30 years old. And so we're working out the various cues, and I just don't know what's going on. Things aren't responding as I think they should, they're not working, it's kind of typical computer confusion, though again, 30-year-old computer uh, confusion. It's just driving me nuts. I don't know how it's supposed to work, And pretty quickly, I start to act in a way that I'm sure is not really helpful. (laughs) I'm I'm swearing at times. My words are starting to get tangled up like I can't put sentences together. My higher cognitive functions are basically breaking down under the pressure. And it's just truly not helpful. But, you know, there it is. That seems to be how my brain works now. Uh, The second is related, which is that in these situations, I'm actually a surprisingly negative person in the sense that I seem to be just really focused on what can go wrong in any situation. So when someone suggests something, my mind first goes to why it's not gonna work, why it's gonna be too hard or too risky or too much trouble. And I'm basically resisting everything. And this is not actually my view of things normally. I'm super excited about new ideas and possibilities and trying stuff. But for certain kinds of things, uh, things, situations, when I get stressed out and overwhelmed, I just observed myself, again, not being helpful, sort of being part of the problem rather than the solution, which is kind of shocking for me to realize. But here's the thing. I'm not gonna say it's okay or anything like that, but I do think it's actually quite helpful to realize it and keep it in mind. Sort of like if I know I get crabby when I'm cold or hungry, I can make sure to bundle up when we go out, and pack snacks uh, for trips. When you know about a weakness in yourself, you can work to manage it and limit its effects on other people. It can be a little painful on the way to that realization and understanding, I suppose. It's not fun to see those things in yourself. And sometimes, of course, you can't control it. But I still think it's helpful to see them, as long as you don't take them Too far. They don't become, you know, somehow some sort of proof that you're a bad person or something like that. These kind of things are just our wiring. You know, some people wouldn't be as stressed in my situation. I might handle, handle, that's good, handle someone else's situation better than they do. It's not a judgment or a statement of your worth as a person. It's just observing part of your nature so you can be aware of it. And deal with it in a more positive and effective way. That's how I think of it anyway. So that was the long one, sorry about that, but those are my ups and downs for the week. Trivia night for the up, seeing myself be truly unhelpful when I get stressed out for the down. All right, next up, our quote of the week. All right, our quote of the week. This week we have one that I love so much. It's a little painful, and you'll get why I chose this one uh, this week in a bit. But it's from the cartoon strip, Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson. And first of all, Calvin and Hobbes is just the best cartoon ever, okay? It just is. (laughs) I've heard many other cartoonists say the same thing. The level of life and insight and humor in this strip is just crazy genius. So anyway, in this particular Strip, Calvin has come across something that's just really sad and depressing and disheartening. And he says, sometimes I think the surest sign that intelligent life exists in the universe is that none of it has tried to contact us. (laughs) Sometimes I think the surest sign that intelligent life exists in the universe is that none of it has tried to contact us. Meaning, of course, that if some advanced life form recognized how small and nasty and dangerous humans can be, they would keep their distance. So like I said, it's a little painful, but it's a great line. And it does help shine a light on the question of why we can be so harmful to each other, to ourselves, and to the world around us. Anyway, not to be a bummer, but there you go. Our quote of the week. Sometimes I think the surest sign that intelligent life exists in the universe is that none of it has tried to contact us. Think about that, we'll move on to our top stories. <music> All right, top stories. So this week I was really struck by this, and maybe you missed this story, but the headline says, man dies following brawl at middle school basketball game. You almost don't need to know any more than that, right? To know how sad that is, speaking of the dark side of humanity. So this is a tiny town, northern Vermont, it's near the Canadian border, seventh and eighth grade basketball games, so 12, 13-year-old kids, probably. After the game, the grown-ups get into this big fight, and on the way home, afterwards, one of them, 60-year-old guy, collapses and dies. How many different ways is that dumb and terrible and horrifying, honestly. Of course, it's sad the guy died, though to be honest, that's the last one that occurs to me to be sad about, but that might not be fair. Maybe he was trying to break things up. Maybe I should wait to learn more about that. Uh, It's incredibly painful to think about the emotional mark that makes on the kids. I mean, I think about how mortified my children are if I ask a server at a restaurant to bring us something they've forgotten. And I'm a very polite person. I promise there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just that kids are embarrassed by adults' behavior. Imagine watching the adults in your community fight and then to learn one of them died. God, that is just awful for every one of those kids. For the teachers, the administration, all the parents who weren't in the fight, It's just beyond embarrassing. It's embarrassing for all of humanity. It's so bad on so many levels. And of course, it ties into the quote of the week, which is not a coincidence. That's how this makes me feel. What is wrong with people? How can we be so stupid and awful? But here's the interesting twist on this. And I don't remember I've talked about this here before. I think I have. But I actually have an answer for that question. How can we be so stupid? And it goes right to the heart of the Raise Your Inner Game material. In fact, it's the main reason I decided to write the book in the first place. So here you go. There is a wide range of human behavior. At one end of the scale, we are our most primitive selves. This fight is a great example of that. We're defensive, aggressive, primal. It's basically a fear-based survival mode. And at the other end, we are our most evolved selves, generous, caring, open, joyful, creative, clear thinking, and so on. So we spend most of our time, not at either extreme, but somewhere in the middle. But here's the important part. When we feel we're under any sort of threat or attack, whether real or imagined, we move down that scale. We move into a more primitive state, less rational, more reactive, more violent. But here's the thing. This fight is not the story in itself, in my mind, it is rather the symptom of our culture right now. And I don't mean culture like we have normalized this kind of thing, though I think there's a lot of truth in that. What I mean is, because life has become so much more stressful and overwhelming than it's ever been in so many ways, we are all being pulled down into a more primitive, defensive, irrational state. So it used to be, you know, just something that was annoying or disappointing or frustrating or whatever. Excuse me. Now it flips this switch in us where we lose our mind and click into this completely unreasonable rage response. That's why we're getting so stupid. Our natural reaction to our stressful world is making us lose our ability to think clearly. So I do not in any way excuse any of this insane, destructive behavior. I really don't. I don't mean to be saying that at all. But I do have some small bit of sympathy and grace for people who are sort of losing their minds right now. We do live in crazy times. It is super hard to stay above it and be the kind of person we want to be. Super hard. That's the whole reason for this community is because it is hard and we need to keep doing it. So we want to support each other in doing that. Also, it is made harder by those who gin up people's fears for personal gain, for business and profit, and that is so irresponsible and destructive and dangerous. So what people need is a way to break this natural fear-trigger reaction cycle, to be able to recognize the fears as they come up and keep them from taking over. And that's what the Raise Your Inner Gain material was about, That really is the whole story of it. I felt like we as a society We're heading into a downward spiral of trigger and automatic reaction, and I wanted to give people a way to break out of that cycle. This was in 2010, 13 years ago. How much worse have things become since then? But that's why this material was originally developed. Of course, our first mission now is to help kids, athletes, manage their thoughts and emotions so they can play at their highest level and be happier and more successful in their lives. But the benefits of learning these self-regulation skills go way beyond that. I can honestly say that this fight would never break out in a group of people who had learned the Razor inner game skills, just not a chance. And by the way, the Sports Academy is for students, like I said, but every kid who takes the course also gets a version of the training for their parents. And that is uh, no accident. Anyway, that's my top story this week, this sad, terrible story of the fight at a middle school basketball game. So for the Tolstoy scale, how does it serve humanity? I can't give it a one because that's reserved for intent. I don't imagine anyone set out to have this happen, but it's still really bad for humanity. So I'll say a two this week, about as bad as it gets without ill intention involved. All right, that's my top story this week. Disturbing, but some important lessons. To be learned for sure. All right, next up, Inner Game Gold. Inner Game Gold. These are the ideas and concepts I come back to over and over to help me stay on track. So last week, we returned to one of my favorites, Memento Mori. Remember that we die and how helpful I find this. Again, every time I ask myself, is how I'm being right now? Do I want to be remembered? The answer is no, which helps me pick myself up a bit and be more of the person I want to be. It's just incredibly helpful. This week, I'm gonna break tradition and maybe introduce a new one. So I mentioned I'm doing lights for my daughter's eighth grade play. And the play is Alice in Wonderland. It's an adaptation, uh, obviously, and I don't know how accurate it is to the original, but there's this passage in the play, which is just a perfect illustration of the inner game in action. So Alice is upset with how things are going, understandably, (laughs) everything is so crazy. So she sits down, she starts to cry, and the narrators in the play, the script directions say, they speak to Alice as if they are her conscience. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. A great girl like you to go on trying this way, crying this way, sorry. Stop at this instant, I tell you. And then Alice says, you're absolutely right, I should stop at this instant. And that is exactly how our inner game works. We hear the arguments in our head, and most of the time, we just go along with them. You're right, I'm no good, I'm a loser, I don't know what I'm doing, everyone hates me. And of course, I'm playing around with this, but it's not really that funny. It's hard, it's heartbreaking, and it keeps us from everything we most care about in our lives, and the solution is to just break that automatic acceptance of what they say. The arguments are still gonna be there, and they're still going to be pretending they're our conscience and our real self, but they're not. Our real self is the one who hears them. And if we can just learn to just take the slightest step back, to decouple from that, and consider what's being said and decide for ourselves if we agree or not, it makes all the difference. So that little scene might make it into my collection of inner game gold, it might be a keeper. And the idea, of course, would be that now and then I would remind myself of that scene, reconnect with what it tells me, and that would help me get refocused and back on track to me the person I want to be. That's what inner game gold is about. So anyway, see what you make of that, and we'll move on to raise your outer game. All right, here's where we talk about things we care about in our outer life, our health, our relationships, our finances. And this week, we are continuing our discussion about parenting because it's one of my favorite topics and also because we started last week answering some great questions and there are more of them uh, to talk about. So last week, the question was, how to know if you should have kids? And I say, if you're in a position to ask that question, you should have them. Just do it. You will love it. So the next question is about distracted parenting and specifically about being distracted by our devices. What effect does it have on our kids to see us on our device not paying attention to them? This is a really good one. Now I should say, I don't think it's a super big problem for us maybe compared to others because we are aware of it, right? It's something we try to be good about not to make ourselves you know, heroes or anything, but it feels like an issue to us, like it's not the way we want our kids' childhood to be, not how we want to be with each other. Also, they're in a Waldorf school, so it's something our whole community pays attention to, which makes it easier. Uh, having said that, we do still love our devices, <laughs> and there are certainly times when we're checked out, especially now that like pretty much the whole family is using headphones or AirPods of some kind. It's really easy to be removed and checked out with pods in. And I do think it's worth paying attention to that for sure. For one thing, obviously, if we're telling them it's a problem, it's pretty bad to be modeling the behavior we're saying not to do. (laughs) Excuse me, that's never going to work, right? It makes them less likely to listen to us and worse to respect us and take our views seriously. So we obviously don't want that. Uh, For me, when I do something like that, when I, you know, act in a way that's not in accordance with what I'm, you know, saying things should be, I, you know, I address it. I'll apologize for it. I'll say, you know, I'm sorry. That's not right. I shouldn't do that. I know it. Whatever. I think that does help. But I really do think this whole question is super important and especially with children. Not only are they learning through what they see in others, what is normal and acceptable and allowed, but on a deeper level, the main things children are learning as they develop is how to be with other people. And the most important laboratory for that learning is in the family. If they don't learn how to be present and engaged and connected with their own parents and siblings, they're never gonna learn it out in the world or at least not learn it well and not at the age they should. This really needs to be part of their childhood experience. It's essential for their most fundamental development. So my answer for this question, which I haven't formed very well, I apologize, is that we need to pay close attention to this. Do not let yourself be checked out on your device with your kids or at least keep it to the absolute minimum and be super clear with them that it should be kept to a minimum. It's not good for anyone. It happens, you know, but like eating too many sweets, or not getting good sleep is something we need to work to be better about. So anyway, that's my answer for that one. I hope that makes sense and that it's helpful. I know this is easier said than done. I totally get that. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's important and that we have to figure out a way to keep this in check. All right, that is Raise Your Outer Game for this week. Next up, our charging station challenge. Okay, last week we had you spend time with Memento Mori again. I always find that helpful, so I hope you did too. Uh, this week, since we just talked about it, let's take another run at limiting our device time with our family. So rather than just say keep it to a set time or something like that, I want to take it to another level this week. I want to take it I want to try some impulse control practice. So what I want you to do is to observe yourself when you're with your family this week, and try to pay attention to when you feel the urge to check your device, because that's always the first step. You're with them, all of a sudden, in an instant, something comes up inside and says, hmm, I wonder if there's something interesting on my phone right now, and off you go. So the challenge this week is not even to resist it, but just to notice it. How many times, while you're with your family, do you feel the pull to check your device? You're gonna need some paper or maybe a note on your device to keep track of this, because there are gonna be a lot of them. And really, there's probably no way to get all of them, right? But even if you just do one interaction a day, maybe it's dinner if you're together, maybe breakfast, maybe after school, one time a day when you're together, and does not have to be the full family either, could it be one, just be your partner, your spouse, your wife, your husband, or one of your kids, whatever. Just some family time. How many times during that period do you feel the urge to check your phone? That's gonna be kind of depressing, I imagine, but super helpful to see. So try that for this week. Once a day, write down how many times you felt like checking your phone when you were with your family. And of course, always helpful to share this in the community, especially because with something like this, it's embarrassing. You think there's something wrong with you, right? You're doing things wrong. You're being a bad parent. It really helps to hear that others are doing the same thing. So post in the community for bonus points. And of course, if you're not in the community yet, just click the link in the notes, it's free, just register, you can go straight to the challenge. And that's it for this week's Charging Station Challenge. Next up, highly recommended. All right, these are the things I'm crazy about right now, books, shows, gadgets, whatever I'm loving and want to recommend. Just a couple things this week. Both are uh, shows, news to me, on HBO. By the way, I finished the new Jack Ryan series I was talking about. Ended up feeling that was not great. I mean, it was fine, it was fun enough. I did watch the whole thing. But it didn't have the same thrill, the, the, the quality in the story. I don't know exactly what it would be. I never know whether to think about the writer or the director, and ultimately maybe even the actors, when it's just not, you know, it's not surprising you. But anyway, didn't have that spark I loved in the pre- previous seasons. Still happy to recommend it, but don't love it. But I do have a couple of new shows. So I finally started a uh, White Lotus, late to that one, at least uh, from what I can tell in the media. <laughs> well, it's like I'm just starting season one, and I think they just finished two or maybe three. I don't know. I've only watched the first episode so far, so certainly too soon to say I love it. I was excited about Jack Ryan early on too. But the first episode was fun. I'm planning to keep going. Another one, though, which I really am loving already, has its hooks into me pretty good, also on HBO, which is called Starstruck. Set in England, a young woman hooks up with a movie star without realizing it. She's a little bit uh, buzzed, <laughs> and she doesn't, you know, anyway, doesn't recognize him. And anyway, both the, main, both the main actors are very good. The woman is super funny. And it's just been very interesting as they're trying to navigate that awkwardness in many sort of levels. It's a sweet and funny and fresh, and I'm loving it so far. So I'm excited about that one. And those are my recommendeds for this week. And that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please do tell your friends, invite them to join us, and rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Every review helps more people find the show and get the mental game boost we all need. If you have teenagers in sports, check out our Mental Game Starter Kit. It's a great set of resources to get you started on the path of helping your child boost their mental game. Just go to raiseyourinnergame.com, scroll to the bottom. You can learn about it and register there. All free, of course, super helpful. Uh, If you'd like to support the show so we can keep things ad-free, please click the Buy Me A Coffee link below. And thank you for that. For more mental game goodness, please do join our free community the Raise Your Inner Game Charging Station. You can click the link here or go to raiseyourinnergame.com slash community. It's totally free and you'll love it. Also, if you're listening to this on audio but you like video, we post all our episodes on our YouTube channel as well. So there's a link to the show, link to that, I'm sorry, in the show notes. And finally, this week, we'll close with Leo Tolstoy from the Raise Your Inner Game book, The Ultimate Purpose in Life is to Serve Humanity. That's what we're doing, folks, serving the people in our lives. It's hard, uh, but it's also super important, and it feels great. So (laughs) keep up the good work, and we'll see you next time.